and welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 188, uh, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and Factor Meals. My name is Connor Ryan, and once again, we are joined by our good friend, 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. Ty, how are you? going on? This is the, uh, this is the old Swayman Pasternak episode, or the Zaka Neely episode, if you want to call yes, it that. Yes, yeah. of course. So, so... This is a look at this going deep, going deep into the bag here. Gotta love it. I know, absolutely. Wait till we get to episode 200. We're gonna get Greg Zanon on the pod for oh, it. So. the old the game. Yes, exactly. So we have big things planned for that one, but this is still a very special episode. Ty, um, is there a lot to talk about? No, not really. No. Uh, we're recording this before. Uh, uh, the Bruins game against the Winnipeg Jets. I'm not going to say what's going to happen in the game because let me tell you something. I was like a big fucking dum-dum last week when I was like, oh, it's Bruins Islander. It's going to be boring as shit. And then it was like the best game of the year. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say what's going to happen in this game. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout either way. Going to be a nail bite or anything like that. Just let, let, let the hockey play out because I, I regret what happened last week when it was, I mean, balls to the wall. Best game of the season, I would probably say. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, maybe you motivated people without them knowing it. You that know? is true. So, I like, yeah, you could throw yourself, you know, on the cross and say, hey, I screwed up. Or you can say, I am the reason why it was entertaining. So there's always that, too. Never, never downplay that that angle when it comes to uh, when it comes to being a jinx. That is true. I, I will never uh, turn down a, an opportunity to take credit for something where I had no pot in it. Uh, exactly. So, exactly. so I, I will once again say that it's going to be a boring as shit game. Nothing's going to happen for Bruins fans. Go do your last minute Christmas shopping instead. It's going to be a fucking snooze fest. Don't have to worry about it. So we'll see see how that works out. When it's a two one game, don't yell at me uh, tomorrow. It's the holidays. Everyone, be merry, guys. It's that time of year. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, Ty, we're going to get into some more uh, festive talk uh, later on in this podcast, um, looking at what should be on the Bruins Christmas wish list, all that fun stuff. Um, don't say it to Romandal, because I already have that one booked for myself. Damn it. I'm sorry. I should have told you ahead of time. This is this is behind the scenes stuff I should have aired out ahead of time. So that's a, that's a strike for me. But before we dive into that, Ty, um, one of the more pressing news stories, I think, from this week when, again, not a whole lot has happened beyond another overtime loss, has been Matt Potra going to uh, World Juniors over in Sweden. Um, there's a lot of uh, differing opinions on it. I think a lot of it's been more skewed towards it being a positive for him in terms of, you know, getting an opportunity to play on that stage, playing lesser competition. But what, what did you kind of make of, of that decision of whether or not the Bruins should have let him go over to Sweden for the uh, World Juniors? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag, right? Like, I, I think it's natural to look at it and say that it's a chance to, you know, really kind of get his offensive game going a little bit. Um, now, you know, playing well against teens and then coming back home and going back up against men, I mean, listen, that's no sure thing it's going to get his offensive game going. If we go back to last year, it actually hurt uh, Fabian Lysel, yeah. uh, one would argue. But you look at kind of his usage, where he's been lately, you know, it seems like his minutes have kind of gone down a little bit. He's been watching in the third period. And, you know, this is kind of the hard part about having Matthew Potra on your team in 23-24. It's like, okay, well, he can't go down to the minors. He can't go, you know, down to wherever and get some games in. Like, he's got to be in Boston. So, 
they want him playing games. And this is kind of like an in-house cheat code to get him to play some big minutes. So I get it from that standpoint. And, you know, Don Sweeney and the Bruins haven't been afraid to let guys do this in the past. You know, Pasternak did it twice, I believe, uh, when yeah. he was a pro. Uh, Lysel, as, as I just mentioned, did it last year. So, like, this is kind of using some in-house mechanisms here to, to allow yourself to get some get this guy some minutes that aren't at the NHL. Now, you know, I, I, overall, you know, I think it hurts the Bruins in the sense that they are not offensively creative enough to to play without him and not have it not be noticeable. But I just want him to play. So if, if, if he's playing 19 minutes, 20 minutes for Team Canada versus playing 10, 11 minutes for the Boston Bruins – I kind of like what that can do to him in terms of his game readiness, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. And I kind of go back and forth too. Like I view one of the cons is maybe it's just the whirlwind and the, the workload. I think when we talked about this, I think it was either last week or two weeks ago about Potra and his minutes and what have you, you brought up the point of like the last thing you want to do for a guy that is so important to this team, especially in that bottom six is to have him hit a rookie wall. You mentioned like uh, Blake Wheeler had that happen. You, you can't have that happen to a guy like Patra when you get to uh, February or March or April when you get into the playoffs where he's just out of gas, which, again, it happens. Like, these guys are, you know, I think Patra's most games played ever in his career, I think, was 68. I think it was last year with the Storm. So, yeah, he goes over there. You know, like, he he practices, hops on a bu- uh, not a bus. That'd be fucking wild if he took a bus to Sweden. <laughs> be pretty fucked up for the Bruins gotta- to do that to him. It's going to be the Frizz's bus, man. It's going to be a exactly. magic bus. Exactly. Uh, takes a plane to Scandinavia, to Sweden. Uh, then goes right into practice with Canada. Um, I think if they go to the gold medal, he's playing, what, seven games in 11 days? Yes. Has a little bit of a break, but then comes back here. And, again, the the pros of it, as you said, it's like if he goes over there, puts up a really good stat line against under-20 competition, helps Canada go on a run there. Feeling good about his game coming back. That's what you want. You want to have him be kind of rejuvenated in terms of uh, kind of what you saw more from where he was in the preseason early on in the year where he's kind of riding that high of, you know, being in the NHL and really showcasing that talent. But at the same, you know, the same token, you don't want him to, again, have all that workload and then just hit a wall. It's almost like Lysel. Again, I think other circumstances played into Lysel and just how off and on that season was. But I think at one point, it's either during dev camp or another point where he mentioned like the whirlwind he was on over the last couple of years. Where it's like, all right, played in Sweden, moved to North America, was over in Vancouver, wasn't really used to like coming over here, had that transition, makes it to Providence, learns that competition, goes back to uh, World Juniors, disappoints playing for Sweden, goes all, all the way back into it and just hits a wall. Like, I'm not saying that like every player is cut from the same cloth and everyone kind of carves out a different path, but. When you're on such a whirlwind like that, and either something goes awry or or something like that, it can weigh on a, a guy 19 who, again, he's accelerated his timeline, but he's still 19 in the NHL. Like that is something I think you have to be really cognizant about in terms of just what his overall workload is going to be this year. Yeah, 100. And I and I think that you kind of look at the schedule that they have during Potra's absence. You know, they're going to be playing. They already played Minnesota. They'll be playing them again. Uh, I think they have a game with Buffalo coming out of Christmas break. They have a game against um, uh, Columbus as well along that line. Like those are some games you should win. Now he's going to miss some big games as well. You yeah. know, he's going to miss a devil's game. He's going to miss a, I think a Pittsburgh penguins game, although they haven't been all that great, but again, they have offensive firepower so that, you know, and, and not having him kind of hurts you for that kind of game. But 
I wonder if the Bruins look at that schedule and say, you know what? We can tread water. Like we can, we can go 500 during this stretch without Matthew Potter. Now you want to be better than 500, of course, but maybe they don't, you know, I wonder this, let's put it this way. If the world juniors was two weeks after the fact, right. And Potter had to miss games against, uh, against the lightning, the avalanche, the, uh, Vegas golden Knights and whoever yeah. else they're playing in that stretch. Would they, would they be more like, you know what? Nah, we need to keep him around. We need, we need to keep him around for, for those two weeks because we're playing some stiff competition. Like, I, I wonder if that plays a factor in this as well. Um, but I thought Sweeney gave a great, you know, some great insight for a man who often likes to use word salad and, and not give you anything. I, I thought he gave you a great answer when, when he talked about, you know, the, the pacing has changed. Like they didn't think that he would be playing this many games and this many right. minutes, you know? And it's like, they, they almost have to find pockets uh, to get him to not play as many NHL minutes. So what would you prefer Bruins fans? Would you prefer Matthew Potra go and play, you know, seven games for his, for his country? Or would you prefer him be a healthy scratch for five out of seven games? Like, like I, I and, and your, your answer is obviously, well, I will, I don't want to get a scratch at all, but the way things were trending, he was yeah. going to be scratched again. He was going to be scratched again at some point. He'd been scratched two times in nine days, effectively, uh, or eight days, effectively. Like, like they were going to keep sitting him. So, I think it's kind of pick your poison as a, as a Bruins fan with what they do with Matthew Potra, you know, for the next two weeks. And they chose team Canada. Yeah. I think there's, whenever you look at the situation, there's going to be pros and cons, however way you kind of look at it. But even I think with the risk of workload or what have you getting him, you know, rejuvenated, revitalized, giving him that kind of mid season spot of going over there, feeling good about his game. I think that kind of outweighs some of these risks that I think you have to be cognizant about, because if he's back and playing like he was, even at the start of the year where you're like, you're looking at this guy, like, can he slot into the top six? Like, again, I, I think that's really unfair to probably put that expectation, but if he's playing like that and then he's on the third line and injecting that kind of playmaking, it's a complete difference maker for this team. So uh, yeah, I don't think there's any cut and dry way uh, of viewing like the best laid plans for him in terms of this, but I think the Bruins would, would rather him come back feeling good about his game and hopefully getting on a little bit of run here because secondary scoring has been a uh, a big issue with this team, to say the least. Yeah, and, and real quick, what I would say is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk, I think, lately when it comes to his usage and, and how much he, he's playing or not playing, uh, particularly, particularly late in games. I, I think if there's one confident or one positive to draw from uh, his last NHL game was the overtime loss against the Rangers, he was getting shifts regularly yeah. in the third period and in the overtime um, yeah, that's a positive sign. I mean, that that's what you want, right? And it was his most, most, uh, most he's played since that uh, blowout loss in Columbus, which was kind of garbage time minutes. So, yeah. um, the fact that he was able to get some minutes in a in a high leverage game uh, against the New York Rangers, I think is a positive sign to how Jim Montgomery is going to use him because this is something, this is something as well that you know I'm sure we'll talk about more down the line as the season goes on. Here is that. You know, Potron is an example of a guy, and it's the same reason why I wanted Lowry in Providence. These guys got to play. Like, yeah. they're not going to get better being stapled to the bench every game. You know, so so to see Potra get some more minutes in a in a in a uh, a, a late and tight game, I, I think is a positive sign, and you have to hope that continues once he comes back to the NHL. 
Absolutely. And Padra had a good start. I think it was an exhibition game with Team Canada, but gets set up by uh, another geeky, Connor Geeky. Great name. Um, so hopefully he can continue that with uh, Morgan Geeky once he gets back. So we'll uh, be keeping close tabs on um, on Padra over there over the next couple of weeks. But Ty, again, we only have one game to base it off of in terms of what they played so far this week. But Another overtime loss to Minnesota Wild, and it's part of a continuing trend of one, then keep on playing overtime games, and two, uh, letting third period leads slip away. I think you had the stat where they've lost six games after leading up to two periods, and I yes. think they were 47-1-2 and two last year. Again, last year's team was a juggernaut. Like there, There's that part of it, but it's been a very concerning trend when you look at the only teams that have a worse record after leading up to two periods are – a lot of dog shit. A lot of teams you really don't want to be in that same company with when you're looking at Blue Jackets, Shocks, teams like that. Um, what do you view has been kind of the uh, the biggest issue as to, especially defensively, Jim Montgomery, kind of the theme from that loss to the Wild was mentioning. Net front, uh, way too many chances there. Rebounds. I think they're 17th in the league in terms of high danger chances allowed per 60 minutes. What do you think has been the biggest issue there as to why – maybe the most uncharacteristic flaw of this team has been present. Yeah. You know, flipping that, flipping it a little bit, I would say the greatest issue overall is that they don't have the scoring depth to put teams away, you know? Yeah. So, so basically a lot of their third periods have just been 20 minutes of high leverage, high pressure situations and, and minutes against. And, uh, you know, I, I think that grinds a team down. I, I think that they are having to over rely on some players uh, such as Brandon Carlo, such as Hampus Lindholm, Pablo Zaka, Charlie Coyle, Brad Martian. Like, like they have to kind of grind these guys into dust just to win the game. And, and I think that's kind of been an issue to a certain degree. Um, I also think that the defenseman, you know, like there has been multiple instances of, you know, a Bruin centerman having a clean as hell, face-off win and then the defenseman running that puck into trouble and it's like all right well that's not gonna help like like there's been a, there's been multiple instances you know because people say well they lost bergeron and and you know you're not winning face-offs as much as you were a year ago key face-offs no there's been times where they're winning face-offs and they're winning them well but what happens yeah. is the, is the the defenseman is is effectively your puck carrier he has no play he runs it into danger he turns it right over and then Okay, now that faceoff win means nothing because you just you just screwed it. You 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 lost. So, I think it's been a mix of bad decisions, um, over reliance on personnel, and, and not getting the offense you need to put game put games away before the 57, 58 minute mark of the night. Yeah, the the Bruins defensemen have a Leroy Jenkins problem in terms of carrying the puck into danger, doing something extremely ill advised under pressure. So, I mean, that's been an issue. But I think you also hit the nail on the head in terms of just how much it adds up when you're white knuckling it for 20 minutes every single night and how much that can wear on a team. Like Bruins are in desperate need of like a nice five, two win four two, something like that, where you can skate the puck out, uh, not have to worry about, you know, a pulled goalie. I mean, even look at the wild game where you have Pavel Zaka back and it's his first game back from injury missed a couple of games. It's like, all right, He's in the top six, but we'll ease it back in there. He played like 22 minutes that night. Right. Like defending like like hell over those final minutes of play. Like, and this is in, you know, the end of December. We're not talking about how stressful and taxing it is once you get to April and May. So, yeah, it's almost like there isn't one clear-cut 
solution or a reasoning why like this has been a recurring trend. It's like one kind of directly impacts the other, but the secondary scoring and just not being able to alleviate that pressure is wearing on again. This is a defense that we, we've said it time and time again. People are like, all right, yeah, like the, the personnel is good when you've got guys like McAvoy and Lindholm and Carlo and even like Fulbert in those critical situations, but they're also only human. And when you're playing like these kind of games every single night, you're gonna be you're gonna run out of gas in in multiple games. And I think that's kind of what's been the case so far. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like baseball. If you have a great reliever, but you got to roll roll them out there every single night, well. On uh, nights five and six, he's not going to have the best zip on his fastball. He's not going to have the best break on his on his off speed stuff. Like, and he's going to get tagged. He's going to get dinged up. And and I think you're seeing that to a certain degree. And and listen, I I don't know about you, but I come from the school, uh, the Bruce Cassie school of timely saves. I I, yeah. I believe in timely saves. I believe in what they can do for a team. If we go back to that third period against Minnesota, Linus Olmark made about I would say four or five timely saves. Yeah. It wasn't until the fifth or sixth chance that Minnesota had that they tied the game and then took the lead. Yeah. And so I look at that and saying, there's too much pressure on your goaltenders. You got two guys who can score the damn puck between Marshan and Pasternak right now. Everyone else is kind of MIA for the most part. Like you got two guys who can score and you got, you got goalies who got to be historically good to win your games every night. It's not a sustainable model. And I think that's what you're finding out here in, in games you know, 27 and 29 of the regular season. Yeah, you can win those games for the first 20. But now you're entering, like, you're on your fifth appearance in six days. You're on your, your fourth appearance in a row. Like, you're starting to feel the grind a little bit, I think, it, you know, for some of these high leverage players. And it's manifesting itself in some some blown leads and overtime games. Yeah, it's, it's not really a good sign one for us as writers. It's like, all right. Our story on the night will eat, will most likely be like, oh shit, this guy scored. Like this is the story for today. Like oh, Morgan Geeky's stepped up. Oh, Trent yeah. Frederick scores. Like it's not good when it's like an outlier or like oh, like let's let's put the lens on this guy when it's not Martian or Poston are kind of leading the way. So that's absolutely been an issue um, so can, far this year. Can we talk about the worst part about this? And this is a little yes. it's, this is a little inside baseball. So I'm sorry if the listeners and, and the viewers out there are bored to tears by this. Holy shit, I am sick of having to erase my really good leads and come up with a really shit one because the, the game completely changed course in a matter of five minutes. I am so yes. sick of that. I had such a killer lead on, on Tuesday, and I actively pounded the table when they tied the game. I was like, God damn it, because I was so excited, and I had to ruin it, and I'm so pissed about it. Oh, I, it's so I, annoying. I am so glad that I am not uh, tasked with doing deadline writing uh, for my, my current gig right now because, man, it is... It is hard. It is heartbreaking. Especially when you know you've got a really good lead. And there's times where I've been burned in the past of like, I think when it's a big enough game, you got like your lead crafted. So like, yeah, I still have like the lead saved from uh, the BU national championship game. When that went awry, I had like a lead already set for 2019. Had that all mapped out. Good oh, to yeah. go. Boop. Nope. Not great. And then you had like that moment where like a game's tied in the third period where you're just like, you gotta, you have to shift the gears very quickly, but you're staring at like, the three grabs are like this guy scored. This guy scored. Yeah. Like, okay, now this is another this is another AI generated ass recap. Now that I have to do so. Alas. Yeah. That's it's so frustrating because and and the game on Tuesday really spoke to one of my favorite things, which is a well timed hockey fight. Because Jacob yeah. Loco had a well timed hockey fight, and it looked like it changed the course of the game, and then. 
And then everything went to hell. And I, oh man, I'm gonna be bummed about it all year. So that's that's where I'm at with it. But holy smokes, that was a bummer. I, I doubled down anyway after that game. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm still doing the I'm still doing the Lauco sidebar piece. Yeah. Like, it still was a good enough play. So I just I went down with the ship in that regard. But I digress. Um, all right, Ty. Well, before we uh, start looking at uh, holiday wish lists, all the good stuff, let's take a quick break here. Listen from our good friends over at FanDuel. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at FanDuel. All right, Ty, tis the season. We're very very close to Christmas, so what better way to wrap up this uh, this episode of Poke the Bear than looking at what should be on the Bruins' uh, Christmas wish list. So um, whether it's a, a player, a trend, uh, something like that, what do you think uh, this team is asking for for Santa to bring them in a couple of days? I, I mean, the obvious answer is secondary scoring, uh, but let's get more specific here. They need to get DeBrusque those goal scoring sticks. That is, is he back to using the stick that has a damn hole in it? Like, what is happening? The, mo- the, the weirdest shit in the world was that where everyone I think was just like, it was like <laughs> him trying to explain it to him. He's like, Yeah, like they told me it has like more like loft in it. I, I don't know. I was like, What what the fuck is this thing? Right. Yeah. You're playing with 65% of a stick right now, man. That's not a, it's not a good thing. No one, no one wants that. But they got to go, they got to rummage through the warrior ice arena storage facility and find those sticks that Jake DeBrusque was using last year because we talk about him every week and it feels like every week, the need for him to score becomes more dire than the week before. You know, you look at where they are right now, but before, before Tuesday against uh, Minnesota, three of the last five games, they'd scored one goal. Yeah. Just one goal. Tuesday, they scored three goals, but they come from the same two guys that have been scoring all of them. The need for him to start scoring is is becoming dire. It's becoming dire. And it's easy to kick him right now while he's down because of how Tuesday night ended. But at the end of the day, the point remains that this team is a better, more dangerous team when he is scoring goals. He needs to score goals. So they got to find those sticks for him. And, and get his game going again. He is the number one thing I think they have to be wishing for. Uh, if, if they are, you know, if they are making their list and checking it twice, he is atop that list, in my opinion. Yeah. Maddie Falcon and the guys need to get a, like a Frankenbauer stick, just reassemble something. It's going to be like, it's going to be like Tony Stock in the, the caves, just making the first Iron Man suit. It's going to be something yeah. like that. Have, get, have, him, get him rolling. Have Bergeron bless the damn sticks. I don't know what you got to do. <laughs> you know, let's, let's test the sainthood of Priest Bergeron here. And see if he can pull him out of this curse that is uh, that has haunted his game, because we all agree we've talked about it before. He's had a a good looking season in terms yeah. of like how he looks some nights, how he's in, impacting the game. However, he cannot be a four million dollar PK specialist. He's too talented. He's too good. He's too important. You got to get that offensive game going. That's number one for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's with, without a doubt. I think you oh. look at. The uh, oh, old tin man the... looking ass. <laughs> no, <laughs> like it, it is absolutely the, the most important thing. Again, we will see. Just please don't bring back the stick with a hole in it because a very bizarre, like three week saga that that entire thing was. was and it didn't also didn't work out. Like it again, shockingly, the the, the stick with the hole in it uh, does not work out very well. But alas, um, my pick, I'm going to go a little off off the board here. I'm going to ask for a uh, the Lord of the Rings extended edition set with 4K quality 
our good friend uh, Jakob Lauko, because I don't know if that man watched the Battle of Helms Deep five times before Tuesday's game against the Wild, but man was possessed in that game. And obviously he got the green light finally to fight, so he clearly took any opportunity to fight someone in that game. But I think when you look at at that performance, whether it's just him dropping the gloves immediately after Johansson has that goal for Minnesota, again, I don't know if they want him to keep on doing the lacrosse goal, but in terms of just energy and players – you know, changing the tone and tenor of a game. That's something I think has been really missing with this team when you're kind of running through the same script on a lot of nights where it's the goaltending, you're two elite offensive conduits bailing you out. And it's kind of just in between, you know, waiting for some other seismic shift to happen. I think having a guy like Lauco be re-energized and, and kind of providing what he saw last year where he didn't play a whole lot, but whenever he hopped over the boards, was making something happen, was, was uh, you know, causing turnovers, drawing penalties. I think especially on that fourth line where you probably don't have Lucic now for the rest of the year, having an engaged Lauko that wants to be a difference maker in any way possible is a really good sign for a fourth line that I think has been a pretty pleasant surprise, all things considered, because I think features right up there in terms of a guy that's been super steady in terms of a pretty tough assignment out of the gate for a rookie there. So more Lord of the Rings, more Battle of Pelennor Fields, whatever it is for a good friend Lauko. Yeah, that's a great pick, and and I I, I did want to note this because it kind of annoyed me. You go back and and you go to Jim Montgomery's post game, and I didn't notice until I played it back. But he's like, "I loved our fourth line tonight." Okay, then why didn't they play in the third period? Yes. Why why, why are Lelko and Steen, your energy guys, uh, effectively watching for, from the bench in the third period? I think they each played. I want to say like a minute and forty five seconds. Like yeah. Use those guys, man. Like, and this comes back to the greater point that we were talking about. You can't keep grinding down your top talents. You have to find minutes here for some of these fourth liners, especially on nights when they're going like that. And, and so that's what I come back to. And I'm a little bummed about that looking back on it. And, you know, he said he loved their game. Okay. Well then play them more than three shifts in the third period. Like, like that's, that's a line that I think can save you some nights in terms of, you know, easing the burden on your top talents. Like if they got energy and they're flying around like that is, that is everything you need and more, especially with, as you mentioned, Lucic being basically, I think done forever. Um, but you, you know, like you need that energy and pace. And if they're bringing it, give them the minutes, feed them the ball, you know, like that's, it's very much how I feel. I, you, you got to give the hot running back the ball. You got to give the, the hot fourth line the minutes. And so, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't do that, despite the coach saying that he loved their game. So that's a great pick. I just picture Loco throwing bombs and being like, you have my sword. I <laughs> axe. And he just punching him right in the face. And the guy's like, holy shit, dude. I don't know what what's happening right now. Well, I will say Loco is like a very, uh, like he's like, has read the books, which I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I did not, I, I can't even read. So like, uh, I, yeah. like, and so he probably is like taking on the frustration that like, Tom Bombadil and all those chapters were taken out by Peter Jackson. So I feel like that's where he vents his stuff. But you make a great point, though, about that fourth line. Like, they were kind of like Saruman in Return of the King. Like, a big part of the first two, where the fuck is he? Where's right. he in the third one, right? Doesn't, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. There's a guy listening to our podcast, like in a Dodge, who's just punching the shit out of his infotainment system right now that we're talking about this. But it's the holidays, lighten up, Lord of Rings, great movie. I think you agree. I hope. I do. Yes. Yes. Okay. Of course. Okay. Good. Good. Well, I'm not a savage. Whoa. Okay. That's true. Yes. I just want to make sure. All right. Uh, let's do. Let's each give uh, one more uh, gift or wish list idea. What's What's another one you got, Ty? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that we've talked about this in the past. I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast because we really haven't covered a playoff, uh, you know, in, in that time. I, I think this team really needs to kind of identify where the league's trends are going. I, I would love one more shutdown defensive defenseman with a little bit of size. Um, it, it's been really interesting. You know, we, we've talked about their blown leads and, and their inability to limit high danger chances. Uh, we look around the league, uh, defenses are getting bigger. Um, you know, players who you, maybe you'd look at three, four years ago and say, oh, this guy's a big oaf. He's not going to be lasting in this league. They now have value uh, again. Um, you know, it's funny. I was watching the uh, Capitals and Islanders game the other night, and the Islanders acquired Robert Bertuzzo from uh, the uh, St. Louis Blues. And Bertuzzo was just, his job was just blocking Ovechkin's power play looks. And that was his job. That's that's what he was doing. He came through with, with a couple of a massive blocks on a PK. Um, and it's like, okay, that's kind of what they're missing right now. You know, and I think just one more guy, especially with, with Derek Forbert out, who, again, has had a very under-the-radar good Sneaky year. Sneaky good year. Yeah. A five and, on five. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and, you, and you look at sort of, you know, Carlo and Lindholm when they're on, they're 6'4 and 6'5. You know, like and, and they cover a lot of ground defensively. I feel like this team could use one more guy who maybe flies under the radar, but has a strong impact in the defensive zone. Like, would you ever imagine, by the way, that that Zach Bogosian is sixth in the NHL among expected goals against per 60? Like. That's a pretty good number for a guy who costs nothing. You know what I mean? Like they just I feel like they need just one more of like of those types, those that type of defenseman. You know, I've long been a Yanni Hockenpah apologist and fanboy. I love him. Yep. I would love a defenseman like that. Just one more, one more weapon in the arsenal. Because if you're not gonna win games five to four, you gotta build your team to win them two to one, three to two. One more shutdown D may be the way to do that for this Bruins team. Absolutely. No, this is a Yanni Hakampa stand podcast. I think we were both like at whatever the off scene, he was for Asian. I think both of us were like, have you seen this fucking guy? Like this right. is what they need. Alas. And again, he's on a Dallas team that I think the average height for that defense is like six, three, like Haskin the only guy, which you can afford to have a guy be five, 11, six foot. If they're Haskin or what have you. So Alas, that that is, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of especially a realistic guy they could maybe acquire. You know, we're not talking about like Elias Lindholm, stuff like that. If you can you move a, a little bit of money and find like a, a third pairing big bodied guy, make a world of a difference. So that's a that's a good pick there, Ty. Um, before I give mine, let's take a quick break one last time before we wrap up our podcast. Here from our other good friends over at Factor Meals. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at Factor Meals. All right, uh, Ty, my last one, I'm going to say, focused on defense again. I'm going to say uh, a nice gift card to uh, T. Anthony's for Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy to remind them of uh, the the good pass they have together as a elite uh, D pair because it's not been the case this year. And I again, you can look, I think, at uh, adding more heft to this decor, but I think when you have the body of work that both Grizzly and McAvoy have had together, you can have those two play off each other further up the lineup when they've been a five-on-five buzzsaw for years now. Has not been the case this year, and whether it's, you know, Grizzly being banged up or what have you, that group, regardless of, you know, you can talk about the playoffs and where Grizzly fits in, but when McAvoy especially is at his best, it's usually been with Grizzly next to him. 
has not been the case this year. Uh, 152 minutes together, almost 70% ozone starts, which is uh, above and beyond what they even were in years past. And they've been outscored six to three. Um, that is not great. Not not great when you have those guys playing like that. Last three years together, uh, Bruins outscored opponents. I think it was, what, 86 to 32. Oof. An absurd number yeah. when they're together. And so, again, yes, you can look at personnel, where he fits, what have you. In terms of just the regular season of getting your game right, having those two guys play off each other and play at a high level is essential in terms of just how this overall decor is structured. Hasn't been the case this year. So whether it's Grizz getting healthy, um, McAvoy making some adjustments there, need to get those guys back playing at a high level. Because I think he even started in the playoffs last year, where, again, people can talk about Grizzly and what have you. When McAvoy is with Orlov, wasn't really the same. And things started no. going off the rails later on in that series once you take Grizz out, Forbert and uh, Clifton had really bad games. And it started leading to what we all know happened on April 30th. So I think you need to get those guys back playing at a high level. Yeah, and... and- I think we both agree that Matt Grizzlick is not nearly as bad as his detractors online will tell you. I will also say that he's not nearly as good as the analytics will tell you some nights. Yeah. Some nights he looks really good uh, on on our spreadsheets and our graphs, but uh, uh, the on-ice game, you're like, he could have given you more. Yeah. And I think that Grizzlick hasn't looked good since coming back from injury. Um, now is that rust? Is that lingering? Like what, like, what is it? Right. But no matter what it is, he's got to, he's got to shake it off because he's an important part of this team. They did not trade him. They did not give him away, uh, last year when, when they were in their cap hell situation, they clearly value what he can do. And so he's got to bring more of that when he's on and Jim Montgomery's talked about this before. He's really good at killing plays in transition uh, on the rush. Like, and then creating plays the other way. I, I think that there's more to give on that front. And so, especially as a pairing with Grizzly and McAvoy, like as you noted, they are a super pairing. They are a super pairing when they are on their game. They haven't been on their game yet. So th- there's the body of work is deep enough to suggest that it will happen. But again, uh, we are coming back to what we've there's been the theme now for, I would say about three or four podcasts in a row where, you know, their margins are just so slim. That, like, yeah. they need these guys to really be on their game. So, uh, I think that uh, just add them to the list, you know, along with getting forward healthy, getting DeBrusque uh, the sticks without the holes in them. Like, like these guys are every member, right? Like, every member who was on last year's team who is still on this year's team is more important than they were a year ago. It's as simple yeah. as that. Like, and so for, for some of those guys, it's like, well, yeah, no shit. Zaka's important. McAvoy is important, but your secondary guys are now, you know, they're now five or six on the, on the pecking order. Whereas last year they may have been eight or nine. Like, right. and that's kind of, I think the big thing now for that, that those players have to get used to and have to rise, you know, lift up their game to meet that level. Absolutely. No, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, plenty to work on for this team. Hopefully Santa gives them something uh, that helps them kind of reverse this little trend they've been in over the last uh, couple of weeks here. So, uh, Ty, where can we uh, read your stuff, listen to your stuff? Where can we find you beyond this podcast? Yeah, beyond this podcast, uh, still with 985sportsclub.com. You can read all my stuff there. Um, radio, I have I have nothing scheduled, not on the schedule at all. Um, but I have the podcast I do there, Sports Sub Underground, myself and Matt Zoloff. You can come check that out anytime. 
Um, and you can always find me on Twitter slash X at underscore Ty Anderson. Uh, so I'll be there if you need me. Uh, my Instagram is, is is not hockey, so don't even bother following it. You're going to hate it. It's just music and nonsense and pictures of doom. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, Ty, you can uh, read my stuff over at boston.com, whether it's uh, Bruins. I'll be at uh, Patriots down the stretch as well, kind of get ready for the postmortem of that season. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you have to keep doing well, that. We're almost there. Uh, but you can find all my stuff on boston.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter X, whatever the hell it's called at Connor Ryan underscore 93. So that was our latest episode of poke the bear, uh, to everyone listening, uh, for this podcast, for Bruins beat, all that stuff who read all of our stuff online, uh, in print, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Again, we, we, uh, do not take for granted the uh, opportunity we have to talk hockey, uh, talk about the little rings and, uh, Bruins hockey in the same podcast interacting with all you fans and you guys make it all possible. So for everyone listening to this one, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we will uh, talk to you guys after the holiday break. <laughs>